0: know your enemy series. You guys enjoying this series? I've enjoyed bringing it. It's it's information that I have kind of compiled for a decade really, but I've just never really gone into this much detail to bring it out other than in a a fiction book that I wrote about fallen angels and the book of Enoch and stolen information from God and all this kind of stuff. And it's interesting, but it's important to address because we can know our enemy by looking at Time in antiquity and recognizing what these creatures and beings have been doing from the beginning, and looking at their strategies because they're revealed in history. It's obviously revealed in Scripture. Um, I read a lot out of the Book of Enoch. Some people, I I only got one email. Only got one email upset that I read out of the Book of Enoch, and I don't think anybody left the church over that. Um, So, you know, the Book of Enoch is not canon, but it is exactly mirrored in Scripture multiple times. Jesus quoted it. It's quoted in the, in the book of Jude. The same comments are addressed in Genesis. I'm not trying to build a case that it should have been in there. I think we have what God wanted us to have. Amen. But there are other books that are accurate historical record. And I think, personally, I think the book of Enoch is an accurate historical record of what happened back then that, that we can at least uh, take some knowledge and information out of and a little bit more insight into what was happening. So let me just recap and and read these selections. So, you know, specifically this we're talking about in this series, the origin of demons and how to win spiritual warfare and addressing the idea of these fallen angels and Nephilim, Nephilim being the giants who are the offspring of the fallen angels and humans. And those giants set themselves up as gods and kings all over the planet. And every Sebastian and I were talking about this yesterday. Every culture has the same kind of story. And the story is there were, and I'll just flip over to this. This is a Sumerian relief. This is the god Enki, E-N-K-I, flying above all these. We've looked at this for a couple of weeks. You see on the left, there's three giants. One is really big, and then the other are ordinary men. If you see underneath the foot of the biggest one is another regular-sized man underneath his foot. That kind of encapsulates the whole idea of what they were trying to express back then. And that is the, the fallen angels, or as the book of Enoch calls them, the watchers, and their offspring, the giants, are gods over mankind. And that's how they set themselves up. That's how they ruled. You look in Sumerian Um, Babylonian, you look in even Egyptian mythology and history. It's all, they all, and and Sebastian was telling me that over even, um, you know, Indian and the Vedic cultures and, and some of that Far Eastern stuff, I've seen it in Chinese culture that I've, you know, done some study in. Every ancient culture has a story that the gods came down, gave them information, and then left and said they were going to return. Now, you see that specifically in the Sumerian tablets of a group of ascended beings or aliens or ancient gods, whatever it is, however they want to present themselves, call themselves the Anunnaki. We see that in the, in the Bible of the sons of Anak, A-N-U-K. <clears throat> um, but you see, so there, there's a lot of deception in that. You ever heard of a guy named Zechariah Sitchin? Zechariah Sitchin supposedly had a special interpretation of the Sumerian tablets and said that these Anunnaki, which now they claim are aliens from a distant far galaxy, they just thought that they were gods back then, came and found an unadvanced species of creature on this planet, genetically modified them, and now has human beings. And to that I say, gross, because <laughs> that's just, it's such a perversion of the, the image of God inside of humanity, right? And even, and did you see that clip I shared of, uh, I always forget the guy's name, the, the anti-theist, the new atheist guy, Richard Dawkins. And it was, um, who interviewed him? Y'all help me remember. Ben Stein. Ben Stein, ben Stein who's Jewish, but, a, you know, a, a, believes in Jehovah was interviewing um, Richard, Dawkins. Richard Dawkins, my goodness, and and got Richard Dawkins to admit that the human race might have been seeded by a distant race of advanced beings. Literally admitted that. And it's so crazy. Here's this guy who's so anti-God, so pro-evolution, might be open to, yeah, aliens came here and genetically modified us, and now we're the things that we are now. Literally said that. Now, that was taught from what these beings were doing all the way back then. And it instilled within culture this mindset of what today you can consider Luciferianism. I'm not going to have you repeat that word. But that's what we're going to go into today. Let me first just kind of recap a little bit about this. Um, So this is Enoch uh, 15, verse 8. And now the giants who are produced from the spirits and flesh, so in other words, fallen angels and women, shall be called evil spirits upon the earth, and on the earth shall be their dwelling. So ultimately what this is saying is that what we now know of as demons and evil spirits are the disembodied spirits of the dead giants, which are the offspring of the fallen angels. Now, if you don't believe that, that's fine. I'm not, I'm not trying to teach this where you believe that. I'm just giving you insight from a book that has validity, that presents a, a, and some information that brings us some understanding. The understanding specifically being about how do these things work? What's their goal? And how do we stand against them? Amen? So you've seen... All throughout history, if you look at these ancient gods and kings, they have tried to rule and dominate mankind to the point of human sacrifice. You know, there was a lot of human sacrifice to the ancient gods. It always seems to come down to the slaughter of babies. Now, I'm not saying that we have Nephilim in our government that is over-presiding over abortion, But I am saying that there is still a demonic influence in the way that people think. Now, whether they know that they are participating in the slaughter of humans to bring energy and power to dark forces or not, they're pawns. People that believe that type of stuff and and support abortion, you're, you're, you're validating something bigger than just a liberal mindset that a woman should have choice over her body. Yeah. There's more to it than that. There is a, a, a history of child sacrifice to ancient gods and kings. So, you know, there's, it, it always goes deeper. And then here it, their strategy is revealed. And those spirits of the giants, so in other words, what we now know of as demons or evil spirits, Um, Afflict, oppress, destroy, attack, do battle, and work destruction on the earth and cause trouble. They take no food, but nevertheless hunger and thirst and cause offenses. And we talked a little bit about last week as an offense. If you're offended at someone, you don't, you know, so the devil, the enemy has been stripped of power and authority. Nothing that you ever do gives authority to the enemy. But it conditions your mind and your heart to be receptive to deception, right? It's like hypnosis. The way that the enemy works now is a lot like hypnosis. In other words, you become open to. You ever, you ever seen hypnotism? Honestly, you ever you ever, you ever seen one of those uh, comedian hypnotist nights? Raise your hand if you have. You, nobody's ever seen that, yeah? And they they, I mean, like these hypnotists will literally hypnotize people to believe that they're either stuck to a chair or their watch is talking to them, or their, phone, their foot is a shoe, that, or their, their shoe is a phone that rings and they answer their shoe. I mean, it's funny, and they use it in comedy acts, but it's, a, it's, it's legit. There's, you know, hypnotism is a real thing. I personally think that's how the demonic works. They don't necessarily have forceful power over you to come upon you and make you do things, but they, they'll start to synchronize with you and they synchronize with where you believe lies about yourself already, especially if there's areas of weakness and offense or sinful behavior that causes you to be carnal in your thinking and your heart hard toward God, you'll start to, that soulish and physical and carnal part of you will become in sync with those suggestions. And, and you know, it's like one of those, you, they learn this the hard way that our, um, you know, military regimens, when they march over a bridge, they break um, rank, and because if they march in step, the flow, the the unity, the synchronicity of the steps will create a flow on that bridge, and it breaks. the It breaks. Did y'all, did y'all know that? Uh-huh. Yeah, and you, I mean it's 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 history. They they break rank and just walk across a bridge so it doesn't get. In. I see that's how the enemy works. He comes in. They come in. They start lying to you. They can't just make you do things now. Some people disagree with my perspective. I've been possessed, 100%. Wrote a book about it. I'll give it to you on your way out if you hadn't read it yet. But I'm not saying that makes me the authority. But I kind of understand a little bit of insight about it. Um, This was pre-Jesus, not yesterday. It wasn't yesterday that I was (laughs) possessed. Just so you know, I wasn't saved as a kid. You know. Anyway, that's a long story. But. They'll they'll suggest and get in harmony with your hurts and your offenses and your sinful, destructive behaviors to the point that destruction happens, right? And if you agree with it, but you can stop, you can break away from the, the suggestion by doing exactly like what Tori talked about this morning, allow the words of Christ to richly dwell within you to the point that you actually believe the truth about who you are in spirit so that you're not... Thinking and living according to your old man, but you're putting on the new man. That's how you defeat the enemy. Put on the new man. Amen? So n- I, I'm going to extend this series a little bit more. Next week, I'm going to talk about deliverance and what it looks like from a finished work perspective. This week, I wanted to talk about the lovely topic of Luciferianism as it relates to Marvel superheroes. <laughs> I hate to disrupt your <coughs> love affair with those movies, but... All right, so let me, let me finish this. Um, and they thirst and cause offenses, and these spirits shall rise up against the children of men and against the women because they have proceeded from them. We have an enemy. That enemy is active in the earth, seeking to still kill, and destroy whomever he may devour, but you don't have to worry about him as long as you're standing and knowing who you are in Christ and you're keeping your your conscience clear before the Father, not continuing in those things that mirror your old man. Amen? Amen. That's not saying that you can't ever make a mistake. We all make mistakes. We all trip up and sin. We all have habits. We all do things that are not honoring of God. But if you let that define you, you become susceptible. And if you don't know how to stop the pattern and put on the new man, regardless of your behavior then you're, you're going to be susceptible to those lies and that deception. And ultimately, what they're trying to do is reinforce the dead man identity. They're trying to get you to believe that you are that dead man still. Well, you know, I just have this addiction. I just have this problem. It's just who I am. It's always been in my life. It's always been. It's just who I am. I'm genetically predisposed to it. My father this and my grandfather this. I'm going to talk about some of the generational stuff next week. But... Um, and ultimately, we end on this idea. Jesus has all authority and power now. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, talking about Jesus, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle triumphing, triumphing over them. And then we went into spiritual warfare. And ultimately, spiritual warfare is therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. That's how you battle, you resist. How do you resist? Remember, resist is to stand. How do you resist? 2 Corinthians 10 3 For though we walk in the flesh, you're in this body. You don't war according to the flesh. So you're not fighting, you're not like, who said shadow boxing? Towards you say shadow, we're not fighting the enemy with force and power. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God. For the pulling down of strongholds, how do you pull down strongholds? What is a stronghold? This is how you pull down a stronghold. Casting down arguments, another translation says vain imaginations. And a vain imagination is the power causing you to have a vain imagination is the power that the enemy has in your life. I'll explain that in just a second. But this is how you engage in spiritual warfare casting down vain imaginations, arguments, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity. Not bringing the demon into captivity, tying it up, making it obey Jesus. That's not what you do. You bring your thought into captivity specifically to what Jesus was obedient to. So bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Jesus. You make your thoughts obey Christ. Or you get your thoughts in alignment with what Christ accomplished in his obedience. And every being, um, and and again, that verse I'll I'll go to next week. But you engage in this process of put off, put on the new. But we're stuck in a world that is entrenched with doctrines of demons. And this idea of Luciferianism is a big one. Now, let me just go back to this one because I don't want to leave that. Get your mind seared with that word up there. But uh, what is Luciferianism? In short, it's this. Lucifer. And now, just so you know, this might sound crazy to you. How many of you are familiar with this already? Uh, Okay, a lot of people, cool. So Luciferianism is prevalent in secret societies. All these Ivy League schools have secret societies. I I don't want to name them just because, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to go there, but there are groups and people in the the earth today, and a lot of them have strategies to get into places of influence and power. A lot of them don't know that this is the undergirding of the groups and societies that they're in, but the mindset of what Luciferianism is this. Lucifer is is an actual being, an angel, that came to earth in the Garden of Eden, to bring knowledge and light to mankind. And God said to Adam and Eve, no knowledge for you. And Lucifer says, no, knowledge is good for you. I'm going to bring this to you. You don't really need to pay attention to that oppressive, angry, vengeful God because you can't really trust that guy. But you can trust me because I'm bringing you information. After all, watch, eat, think for yourself. Become your own God in a sense. And watch how powerful you become. And can you even really trust that guy? I mean, look what he's done. Look at the condition of the world. Can you even really trust that guy's plan? And you see it here. Watch this. This is the enemy. But did God say... You're familiar with the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve. The serpent comes to them. This is the original lie. But did God say, now this is the serpent speaking, you must not eat from the, eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat it, eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave it to her husband who was with her and he ate it. The eyes of both of them were open that they realized they were naked and so sewed fig leaves for themselves together. I left this part out. Sorry. This is Genesis 3.1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must must not eat from any tree in the garden? Now, read that again. Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Is that what he said? Did you see what happened there, right? The enemy came in and skewed what God said. Now, If Eve had not known what God said, if you don't know the Word of God, from that question, you'll instantly be led astray. you got to know the Word. you got to read the Word. Say, I will read my Bible. So informationally, but then you give it the opportunity to become the living Word in your heart, right? Because it's alive, it's active. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you to illuminate it. You don't need Lucifer to give you illumination. Hello, you allow the Spirit of God to do that. But that's what people, those societies and people that are underneath this Luciferian mindset, is Lucifer actually apart from that oppressive, mean God? You can have this light and secret knowledge. There's a there's a whole school out there. It's referred to as Mystery Babylon throughout some of the ages. There are there are societies that are big into um, communing with Ancestors, you probably see this in Uganda, ancestral worship is a huge thing in Africa. And ancestral worship is actually communing with what we would know as familiar spirits. Or in other words, lying spirits, demons that knew your generations. They know things about your family and they'll speak those things to you to gain your confidence to think, oh, well, this is telling me the truth. Yeah, that's right. So they must be for me leading into all this oppression. And th- that's why you see a lot of oppression in places like Africa because of familiar spirit worship, otherwise mm-hmm. known as ancestral worship. And it, and it needs to be broken. It needs to be the gospel will set those people free. Amen. But you see what he does is he just gets you one step off of what God said, one step off the word. And we are sticklers here. So like 1 Corinthians 10, 13, <clears throat> that says, God will not allow. So let me, let me, is this what the scripture says? God, won't put, God will not put more on you than you can bear. Is that what it says? God will not put more on you than you can bear. Is that what it says? No. Most of y'all know that, but a lot. most Christians believe that's what it says, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. What it says is God will not allow more than you are able to bear to come upon you. He but will with the temptation also make a way of escape. James 1, 13 then says, same word, but don't say it's from God. So the temptation that comes in that God will help you when you are under, don't say it's from God. Now, that's a whole teaching I've got about that on my, ser- on my website. Is God in control? I go into that. But I, want, I just wanted you to see that. Did God really say? That's what we're talking about. This is the question. This is the seed that the enemy has planted in the earth toward God. And we still believe it today. I'm going to unpack it. I really don't have that much else to say about it, but, or maybe I do. Um, You must not eat from the fruit. So let me finish this. So the woman said to the serpent, we may eat from the fruit of the trees in the garden. So she corrects him, right? I misread the next one. My bad. It's actually Eve talking. But here she says, so the enemy tries to get her off. She then comes back and says, no, he said we may may eat from the trees in the garden. But God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. Now look at what God really said. The Lord God took them. And this is Genesis 2, so we're backing up a chapter, looking at what God actually said. So we got what the enemy said. We got what Eve told the enemy she heard God say. Now we have, this is what God actually said. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat it, you will certainly die. What's missing? She said, you can't even touch it. Wait. See that? Where it says, verse 3, don't eat it of the tree in the middle, of and, and you must not touch it. Did God say that? No, God didn't say that. He said, don't eat it. So what she did then was apply a legalistic aspect of God's commandment to them that caused her to then begin to question Yeah, he did say, don't eat it and don't even touch it. Now, that's my emphasis added, but she added to what he said, didn't she? And what she added to it caused her to begin to question God. That's the question. So if she actually trusted God and didn't, didn't become susceptible to the temptation or the lie of the enemy, she wouldn't have questioned what God really said. But she added to it, and it must have festered for quite a while. Did God really say? Now, see, here's the thing. Let me fast forward to, um, in, if you're a Marvel fan, I'm going to give you some spoilers. How many of you have already seen the movie? How many of you are a Marvel fans? You watch all the movies, yeah? And, and then, you know, there's a new one out called Eternals. Um, I'm about to ruin it for you. Okay, let me see if I can do it in a way that um, I'll do it this way. Because, see, here's the thing. I'm not worried about a movie. Are you with me? I'm not not worried about watching a movie and walking away secretly possessed. I'm not worried about taking a shot and accidentally taking the mark of the beast. You're going to know. Nobody's going to accidentally... It slide into that kind of stuff unless you come into harmony with it. Now let me just say this. We do know that in antiquity the mindset of Luciferianism is this. It, did you ever see the, the movie Noah with uh, Russell Crowe? So you come out of that movie with the perspective of there's this angry God that's just itching to kill everybody. He's, he's locked these light beings, these angels into rocks All they were trying to do was help mankind, but this mean, oppressive God locked them down and forbid them from helping humans. And God's reaction is, when they actually started working together and man started questioning the plan of God, then God got angry and was ready to kill everybody. That's Luciferianism. Luciferianism also says, just the idea of what Lucifer is, a group of fallen angels, as what the Bible calls them, Lucifer would present it as... A group of ascended beings, ascended masters, advanced creatures, angels, special, specially empowered beings just wanted to come and benevolently benevolently help humanity. They started to live among, you see this in the book of Enoch, these creatures, these angels, these powered beings came and started to integrate with humanity some of them fell in love with humans some of them walked around in the markets with humans and were kind of worshiped by these humans because they were these ascended beings you see it in that image of the giants over mankind Maybe even there are some images of one of those beings showing how to bring irrigation to their societies, showing how to bring things like plows and ironwork. Remember, the first week we read in the book of Enoch, it specifically went through and it showed which fallen angel or which watcher taught which thing. Things like makeup, things like root cutting, astrology, cosmology, not cosmetology, but cosmology, cosmetology too. I'm not saying you're demonic if you wear lipstick. I'm just saying they were seeking to pervert mankind, bring bring mankind into more carnal experience of the world. And so these beings are just on the planet. They loved humanity. They just wanted to help humanity. But then here's this creator God that actually created the earth and seeded them. They come to find out, this is the fallen angels I'm talking about, that maybe this God is not as benevolent as we thought maybe what he's doing is actually bringing destruction, and we want to protect these harmless humans on this planet. And we need to protect these humans from this oppressive God because we're not sure what his plan is, and we can't really trust his plan, and I don't think he's so good in nature anyway. That's the Luciferian lie that you can't trust God, that God is not good, that his plan is somehow weird and will ultimately bring destruction to mankind, and we need to fight against him. Now, see, we hear the Christian churchy version of Satan and Lucifer, and, you know, like uh, Sebastian said, you know, Halloween Christianity is like what we think of when we think of Satanism. But it's very deceptive because the enemy appears, appears an angel of light, right? So the Luciferian mindset is this. Now watch where I'm going, is this. These beings were just trying to help humans, but because this God is angry and vengeful, we need to separate ourselves from Him and fight Him if we can because we can't really trust His plan. We don't really know what He's doing here. We're going to go about, we're going to just try to be loving and benevolent within ourselves. And, you know, after all, love is love. After all, there really are no genders. After all, all that stuff is really a construct. After all, we really can co-mingle and pervert the image of God, and be these kinds of creatures that we define as godlike, or whatever we are as beings, our own godhood. That being, we can't trust him. Now, where do you hear that idea mostly? Media. Media. <laughs> let me ask you. Let me ask you this way. You're not really sure what that creator God's plan is. Bad things happen, and it's somehow part of his plan. But we're not really sure what he's doing, which causes me to kind of just make, I'm just going to kind of do my own thing over here. I don't really know what he's doing, and I might need to kind of protect myself from that. And in fact, I don't even know that I want that God in my life. Where do you hear that message? (laughs) Am I against the church? No. But I'm telling you, I am convinced that the anti-goodness of God message, the, the general message that we see within Christianity is that God is this great experimenter doing things in our lives and on this planet that we really don't know what His plan is. We really can't sh- be sure. I don't know that I can even trust Him because I'm not so sure. Now, we, we as Christians are... We know better, and we, so we know we're supposed to, but we still have that doubt. Did God really say? So then uh, a, a new covenant expression of following God comes along that says, within the atonement, within the blood of Christ, within the legal transaction of the Messiah dying on the cross for us, who in his body took the full penalty of our sin in himself to set us free from the judgment of God. Did God really say that? Because I kind of feel like God's getting ready to send a tornado. And I kind of think that tornado was the judgment of God because all those gays over there. Did God really say that judgment was finished in Jesus? And in that atonement, by His stripe, by the bruising that was put in Him, He bore your disease so that in Him you could be healed. He became poor that you might become rich. He wishes above all things that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Did God really say? I mean, I mean, let's talk about it. Did He really say that you could believe for physical healing because Jesus died for you? Did He really say that? Are you sure? Well, look at the world. You prayed. Have you ever prayed and somebody didn't get healed? You sure that's what God wants? Maybe that's not what God wants. Maybe He needs you to suffer a little bit in that illness so that you'll learn how to trust Him. Maybe, don't you remember, you got sick and you were on your back for three weeks and you got closer to God in that time? See there, God put it in your life to bring you closer to Him. Maybe He didn't really say you could believe for physical healing. That is a doctrine of demons. And most of the church believes it. And bring on the emails because I will not back down from that. I am not going to back down from the true nature of God is good and only good. So you go back to the flood. Well, didn't he kill everybody in that flood? Well, if you look at this version of, not version, but insight into why did God allow or bring about a global flood? Well, we are told that these beings spread across the earth to corrupt humanity. They didn't just want to teach them how to sin. They wanted to corrupt their nature. When God gets a hold of us, he changes our nature. The enemy was trying to do the same thing. I'm convinced that the enemy back then was trying to bring their offspring into the earth to commingle with mankind, to corrupt the genetics of mankind, to change what we were, and God stopped it. That was the flood. It was a cleansing of the corruption of mankind on the planet. Why? To preserve a pure human bloodline to bring... Them A a man into the earth that could be inhabited by God to set mankind free from the destruction that we had brought in ourselves. Are you with me? I mean, I I don't remember the exact passage, but it says Noah was perfect in his genealogy. You know, now, I get it. It's one of the reasons I don't go into this a lot because it's wild. It It sounds like a Marvel movie, but I believe it to be true. I believe the enemy found a way to come in and corrupt humanity and God protected us by cleansing the earth of those creatures and beings. And therefore, the Messiah ultimately could be protected, his bloodline, and brought into the earth. You see it over and over and over. Those ancient pagan rulers and even perverted uh, Jewish kings at the time were trying to wipe out the prophecies related to the Messiah coming into the earth. That's all related to these beings trying to erase the opportunity for mankind to be redeemed. They tried to stop the opportunity from the beginning. And along with it is this ideology that questions the goodness of God. So the great flood of Noah's time was not God just killing everybody on the earth because he was so angry and vengeful towards sin. He was angry at what these beings had done. Now, I'm not saying he has warm and fuzzy feelings towards sin. You understand what I'm saying? I'm just saying we have to understand what's really going on because the true nature and character of God is revealed in Jesus. And we see Jesus dying for humanity. We see Jesus loving people, setting people free from condemnation that they should have experienced under the law, healing people, promising to them that in the future, God's going to live in you and lead you and guide you. Why? all the way back to Abraham, who God called out of the worship of the temple of Nimrod, which was probably a Nephilim, to be a blessing on the earth so that God, through his holy nation, a holy nation of priests, God could bless those people so that that nation of people could be a blessing to all the nations of the earth. That is who God is. That is the true nature and character of God. God is not the kind of God or doing, giving you cancer or allowing you to suffer with alcoholism or allowing you to have a flat tire for whatever reason. Now, I'm not saying that you'll never experience hardship. We all know you might experience suffering and persecution for the sake of Christ. If you're called into a region that is adverse to the gospel, you might lose your life and you may be tortured along the way. You might suffer that type of persecution. But any other hardship or persecution or trial or pressure is never addressed as it being from God. The only kind of suffering and persecution that God endorses is for the sake of the gospel. God doesn't endorse suffering for the sake of suffering. Are you with me? And it is a doctrine of demon to attribute playing with your life and creating hardship To bring you closer to Him. I mean, what parent does that? That is why this place exists. To fight against the doctrine of demons that God is not good. Because He is good. And that's why Heidi and Courtney are stepping out and expanding this. This message of of who God truly is as revealed in the character and the nature of Christ is growing. The gospel is spreading. I believe in an advancing kingdom. I don't believe in a weak powerless church I believe that the church is getting stronger and it's getting stronger as we stand more rooted in the gospel knowing the true nature and character of God fighting against these lies that we can't quite trust God so don't question when you pray and things don't happen it's a heart issue just keep your heart in mind now some of you're dealing with things that other people you need them to follow God that's out of your control you do you You keep your heart and mind pure and your conscience clear before him. You live your life, and if they don't, I'm sorry, but that's up to them. Amen? Because I'm trying to bring it down to a place that it makes sense for us. But that is our mission, to go into the world and show people who God really is. Jesus is the exact image of the invisible God. He healed everybody that came to him. He showed them how to have dominion and authority and power over creation and even all of darkness. You know, you need this. in a, You need to know who you are in Christ and the completed, finished work and the true nature of God when you go into a dark area because you don't need to be questioning what is the will of God here. Now, you might not know details and timing of when and what and why and how, But in terms of what God really wants, what is the will of God, all would come to the saving knowledge of Christ. The ultimate will of God is is expressed in just a couple of areas. It's in the garden before the the fall where there was perfection. Mankind lived in harmony, harmony and unity with God. You see it in heaven when there is no death, no darkness, no sorrow, no suffering, no tears. Perfection, united harmony with God discovering the manifold riches of His grace forever. That's where you see the will of God. And then you see it in Jesus in this earth representing His Father, God in the flesh, going about, doing good, healing all, feeding people, setting them free from condemnation, going against the religious persecutors of the day, and setting the record straight of this is who God really is. It's the will of God. What does God want? Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, we still have these bodies. We still have these minds that think carnally and logically. We still have a soul that can be influenced by just desire and even dark forces. we got to deal with that stuff. That's our cross that we pick up daily. We walk and we follow God. We bring our minds. We bring our thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ, right? There's still an aspect of following God. But we're not beings that are separated from God trying to live well enough to be accepted by God so we can make it to heaven. I'm telling you, there are too many people that believe that about Christianity. What we are, are accepted, empowered ambassadors of God's kingdom. Children loved by our Father. No longer servants, but friends of God. So when you think about God, He's not out there, and you're trying to get Him to come into your life and make it better. You're not trying to get Him to give you information. You recognize He is right here with me. We are joined. You are... He is your husband. You are joined to Him as intimately as you possibly can be to live life together with Him. He is your advocate. He is with you, daily loading you with benefits, leading you and guiding you into all truth, showing you things to come, reminding you of the words of Christ and reminding you of the promises that He's given. God is with you. You can be bold and courageous to go into the earth to carry the gospel, to show people who God really is. And if you bump up against the scenario, both of my parents died from cancer. I prayed for both of them. Mom, it was just, it was horrible. And I'm by her bedside daily for months praying, knowing this is not the will of God. But yet it took her life. And I have to deal with that. But I have not for one second question what God wanted for her. The issue is not with Him, it's with us, being able to receive and walk in what He's already given us. Are you with me? Amen. Don't you dare allow yourself to question the true nature and the will of God for you, as expressed in Jesus, because then you become susceptible to the enemy's lies of questioning everything else. And we don't, the church has fallen for that lie for too long. It's fallen for that lie for too long. It's time to recapture and reclaim the gospel. If you don't know what God said, you'll be led astray. Know what He said. If you doubt God's goodness, you'll question his motives. That's what, she, that's what Eve did, right? She started, to, what did he really say? And he said, don't touch it. The enemy planted a seed that is still in the earth. Questioning the goodness of God is eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In other words, judging good and evil for yourself. Know the word, know your identity, know the true nature of God. Know the word. Say, I will know the word. I will establish my identity in my heart. And I will stand firm on the true nature of God. God. And how do you do that? You get in the word. You do like what Tori said. You find a good resource. We have some back there. Any of those that you want, we'll give them to you if you don't have the money for them. You get in the word and you affirm your identity. We put a sign over the men's toilet. So when you're in there, it says, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I am a child of God. I am no longer a servant. I am a friend of God. I am blessed. I am prospered. You're going to get some word in there. Amen? (laughs) Let's just stand up. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, so much for the opportunity, for the freedom we have to come in here and just renew our minds and affirm our hearts of who we are in you. Now, if this is your prayer, just take this personally. Father... We don't want to be influenced by what's in the world. We don't want to be influenced by lies of you. And I'm, I'm sorry for believing lies about you. I repent. I change my mind. I turn away from doctrines of demons that cause me to question your will and your goodness and your heart toward me and all of mankind. I let all of that stuff go and I may not even know where I have those beliefs. But I want to only believe the truth about you and the way that I can do that is know Jesus intimately. Commune with your spirit that lives within inside of me. Be committed to and be led and taught by you. Be committed to your word. Make this your decision. I am committed to your word. I am committed to reading and knowing your word. I am committed to applying your written word, the Bible, to my life. When I'm dealing with an issue in my life, I will go to the Word of God. I will find out what you say about this area of my life. I will make sure I agree with it and believe it, even if I need to repent and change my mind about it. And then I will put it into practice in my my life. And when I do so, just like Jesus, the enemy comes, but he has nothing in me. The enemy cannot touch me when I know who you are and I know who I am, and my conscience is clear towards you, Father. So I thank you for the power of your grace in my life to live worthy of this holiness and righteousness that you've given me in the blood of Christ so I don't allow guilt and shame to to persuade me or to influence me and cause me to be led astray. I trust you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We trust you. We praise your name. Just, just, make, just be aware of him. Just acknowledge his spirit within you. Jesus, we thank you. You're with us. Your Holy Spirit lives inside of me. I draw on your power even in this moment. I thank you that you're teaching me even in this moment who you truly are. You know, if you're in here, you've never said yes to Jesus or you're not sure, you're watching online, Just open your heart to him just say, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you died on that cross for me to set me free from sin and death. I believe you passed through the grave and gained all authority and power. You ascended into heaven with your own blood, and your blood now is there to cleanse me. And when I say yes to you, you wash me and make me righteous, and your Holy Spirit lives inside of me. I say yes to you. Just say yes. I say yes to you, Jesus. I trust you. I love you. If you're watching online and you, you've made that decision for the first time, go to our website, forward.church. Scroll down at the bottom. There's a link on there you can read. If you're in this room and you made that decision, our prayer team's going to come up. Come see one of these guys, and they, we have a gift for you and walk you through a process. We just thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Are you, are you taking something out of this? I, I, um, I, don't, I don't want to preach challenging messages for the sake of being challenging, but the body of Christ needs to be challenged for this junk that we believe about who God really is. Amen? Amen. So, be blessed. Open your heart to the prosperity of God. If you want to give today, they've got a giving slide. Philip, if you'd go ahead and put that in slide up with the giving links on there. I encourage you to be generous. You are not under obligation. You're not under law. You are not locked to doing something for God for Him to then release blessing to you, however you're in a relationship with Him, and generosity teaches your heart to trust Him. Amen? And there's work of the ministry to be done. Right? We need to bust out of this building. We need to move on. We need to support missions works. We need to plant churches. We need to do a lot of things. So be generous because the, 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 the gospel is advancing. Amen?